and welcome to Confefi Break on Unsafe Space. My name is Carrie Smith. I'm here with Carter Laren. And this is a show, if it's your first time here, this is a show that we do Mondays and Fridays live. We used to do it daily. Now we just do it Mondays and Fridays. Thank you for joining us. How are you, Carter? I'm well. I think it worked. I think you were able to do the intro. I think it all went smoothly. Okay, good. uh, Yeah, I'm well. I had a good weekend. And uh, I was sitting there waiting. I can't see when you're playing that intro. I know. I know. Anyway, it's like uh, I have to I get I do get to do the thing that you see in the movies where they're like they point and like they point at the person and it's time for them to speak. So I got to do that this morning. Uh, Yeah. Happy Monday. I guess it's kind of a dismal day here. So I don't know. I'm in a minute. I'm in a dismal mood. But um, yeah. Oh, also, I I, uh, before we begin any of the heavy stuff i did try and move the painting behind so put the painting that people complain about i did try and move this is the hippolyte flensran painting i did try and move it uh I, I brought the other one in that i prefer but the glass on the other one reflects there's computer monitors and crap in here and it all reflects off the glass so you are all stuck with hippolyte flensran the 19th century french like, painter so there you go i like that you're trying to rearrange your place according to what people on the internet say about your painting. <laughs> I like the other painting better. Although someone actually, someone actually said they prefer the Flintstone painting. So uh, they're going to be happy because it's, it's staying. And if it creeps you out, uh, great. I don't know. <laughs> creeps you out. <sighs> Carrie, there's been um, a lot happening <clears throat> lately. Yeah. The fun thing is that Kanye West is running. Did you know Kanye is running for office? Oh, I've known that for a while. No, no, he filed. Right. No, he filed officially. That just happened. You can't have known that for a while. He just officially filed. No, but I knew he was running. I didn't know he Well, he announced it. He filed and he he formed a party called the birthday party. I know he formed the birthday party. (laughs) What's, why are you laughing? It's so ridiculously stupid. My wife thinks it's a merch play. She's like, he just wants to sell merch. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Well, either way, it's brilliant. Hey, I wanted to say something before you got into that. Last night I was watching about art. I was watching these documentaries about these Dutch painters. Mm. And you can find a lot of them on YouTube. And uh, they're really interesting. Which ones were most interesting? They go into the history of... hmm? Which ones were most interesting to you? Oh, gosh. What's his name? Now that you've asked me, I'm blanking. Like the famous Jan Vermeer, like that Dutch painter, or other ones? Um, The guy who first started using oil painting because they were using this uh egg yolk uh type of polish for or polish type of paint for a while Mm -hmm. and then there was a guy who he didn't invent he didn't invent oil paints they were talking about how that had existed for a while um in the middle east but he took oil paints and really just expanded on what you could do with it and Mm -hmm. he did this painting of okay so i'm not catholic but what is what is it called anybody in our audience who's catholic where the the they have a word for when the angel came and told Mary that she was going to be carrying Jesus, the Lord. There's a word for that. Oh. Maybe they'll tell me. Anyway, he did a he did a painting of that scene, and it's so beautiful. It's just like the the most brilliant colors, the most amazing detail, and it's almost like when I got uh, obsessed <laughs> when the. Uh, Garden of Earthly Delights with, um, what's his name? Bosch. Bush. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. This guy, I, I think I'm going to become obsessed with him if I remember his name. Anyway, somebody. Yeah, the Annunciation is what it's called. Okay. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Twee Girl. Lots of people in the chat know Someone guessed called. it was Rembrandt, which is the only other Dutch paint artist um, I know, but I have, so I have no idea. But Rembrandt was famous for his, like, really dark, like, wasn't he able to make, like, really dark, dark, I don't know, I'm not a, like, really dark backgrounds and, like, really, like, the lighting was, it was kind of dark and, and different than before, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it wasn't person. it wasn't Rembrandt. I would have remembered that name. It was a painter I'd never heard of before. Oh, here it is. Let me see. Someone says Jan van Eyck, E-Y-C-K. Yes, that's it. Thank you, Sugar Waters. Jan van Eyck. Yeah. Okay. And look at this. It's just beautiful. I mean, uh, you don't have to be Catholic or Christian to appreciate that art. It's so yeah. detailed. And it's so, like, sometimes I look at art that's that that old and I'm just, I don't know, I guess I'm just uh, amazed that it's that it, that it's not modern. I mean, so, certain things about it, especially the surreal stuff, appeals, appears very modern to me. Hieronymus yeah. Bosch was the guy I got really obsessed it's, with it's previously. It's Bosch, right? Is it Bosch or Bosch? Bosch. I think it's Bosch. You're right. It's Bosch. Yeah. Bosch I don't know. Uh, it's like B-O-S-C-H, I think. Yeah, okay. But I do go down these rabbit holes where I get fascinated with certain things, and I think this painter might be the next guy. I'm kind of like checking out all his stuff yeah yeah somebody well, says there's a lot van of good Eich art historically great. huh yeah van eyck is great somebody says oh, okay there's yeah. a great well, do you know the art renewal center artrenewalcenter.org i think it's called no. it used to be arc.org if you look up i don't know go on DuckDuckGo and look up art renewal center they've got high resolution scans of uh like older a lot of older artists and like i don't know how far i don't know how far back they go i think they're focused on realism and so it's like you get like renaissance up through like 19th century stuff generally um but there's a lot of interesting stuff there that you don't see because if you go to a regular art museum nowadays they like to show you you know here's some puke on a wall that represents blah, blah. like they show you <laughs> abstract all modernism the, and crap there's not a lot of like the, all the good art is in their vaults somewhere so not all of it but a lot of it so yeah uh yeah anyway which, speaking of, there's a video that's viral right now on uh, Facebook. Nicole of the Mountain People sent it to me. And it's a woman who's talking about um, how she looked up, based on a comment, she was curious, she looked up um, this testimony from the 1960s in Congress. It was a congressman who was reading from a book um, that was written by a, a communist defector. And it was it was laying out like a bullet-pointed plan for that the Communist Party had for the United States. And mm. she was reading several of the bullet points. Now, remember, this is from the 60s. And it was crazy because a lot of them we, we can see happening right now or have happened, like infiltrate academia, infiltrate mm. American journalism with this ideology, right? One of them was about art. It said... Uh, you know, push to tear down all statues and art, art like works of beauty and replace them with, and it used the word ugly, replace them with ugly, mm -hmm. abstract, awkward. It used the word awkward, awkward things that make people feel like discomfort. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what's happened with, that's what's postmodern art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, as we mentioned the other day, the CIA was actually involved in funding some of that. But yeah, um, if the thing about, the thing about doing that with art, so A, it makes you feel uncomfortable, which is good, but also I think it fundamentally, um, if you're gonna have a society full of individualists who want this idea of self-reliance, 
Um, like it, it only works if you have self-reliance, right? If people feel like they can't possibly deal with reality around them, then they're going to turn to like an authority. But if people feel like they have a lot of self-confidence and self-esteem and like, oh, I'm capable of dealing with the world and I want to deal with other people as equals and like that's the society I want. Um, if you can, if you can, if you can make them feel less sure of themselves, and I think one of the ways that I personally, I think one of the ways psychologically that you can make people feel less sure of themselves is by presenting them something that is ugly and telling them that it's beautiful and like, and get it yes. like, it kind of undercuts your like, oh, maybe I'm not capable of understanding the world. Like I thought, I mean, it's not conscious. It's like yeah. a subconscious, um, tool for training. It's a way to break someone's, uh, self-esteem down their sense of self-efficacy down um because it's it's uh it's confusing fundamentally it it is very confusing and it, it's like it's like gaslighting it makes you think you're yeah. crazy yeah so you're like oh i'm just not smart enough to get this i must be crazy this art must be really good and it, no it's just puke on a wall right um somebody <laughs> yeah. asked what is the book called I was wrong. It's not written by a communist defector. I think I was thinking of uh, Yuri Bezimov. It was written by a former FBI employee. The book is called The Naked Communist. It's a 1958 book mm. by political theorist W. Cleon Skousen, a former FBI employee. Oh, and yeah. it was read on the Senate, I think the Senate floor in the 60s. They were reading parts of it um, going over like the plant, the bullet point and plan that the Communist Party had for, right. you know, subjugating the United States. It's interesting. You know, but the art part. Yeah. You're, ma you're making me think of, cause you brought up Yuri. Uh, you're, you're making me think of, Yuri brought up this point, which I don't, I don't agree with his conclusions on this, but it's an interesting point to ponder. Cause I don't know what the great solution is. He did refer to the freedom of speech, uh, in the West as it's Achilles heel in that like, Oh, we can take, we can, fund and take over things and say whatever we want that ultimately undermines your philosophy and you won't stop us because there's no control over what we do. And I'm not saying there should be control, but it's a it's an interesting point that he made that that they can take over uh, institutions and the press and no one will stop them. Like the government won't stop them. And if you don't, so if you don't have a populace that's vigilant philosophically, they can get away with it, right? Which uh, I think think they did i think they got away with it so right um libertas says mm -hmm. great abstract art is not puke on the wall i agree actually there is some abstract art that i like i i'm just saying when they frame actual puke which i think has been done when they take a picture of jesus christ and they pee on it and they call it piss christ and sell that like that's that's just not art puke right. is not art like and and I've mentioned this before, but one of the last um, modern or postmodern art exhibits I went to that I, I just felt overwhelmingly like this is ridiculous. This is literally this artist that they were highlighting at the museum I was at it had taken stuffed animals and pulled the stuffing out right. and set, and put like safety pins in it or something. And then that was art. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> anyway. Yep. Yep. Uh, Let's do a couple of super chats quickly and then we can get okay. into some heavier stuff. Uh, so Kent Janufchuk, thank you, Kent. Kent says Carter's tie is the intermittent frivolity color. It is. This is uh, this is me having intermittent frivolity today. There's uh, it's very exciting. So thank you for noticing, Kent. Uh, and also I do know that many people are 
critical of my half Windsor knots. I don't like ties. I guess I should learn the full Windsor. I don't know how to tie a full Windsor. So I, I'm sure that there's an internet, there's a YouTube video somewhere. I'm sure I can, I can read or watch. Uh, formerly Rodline says, watch Tim Vermeer's It's an Outstanding Art Movie. Um, Tim Vermeer, it's an Outstanding Art Okay. Tim's Vermeer. Thank you. Tim's Vermeer. Huh. Okay. Thank you. you. By the way, speaking of watching stuff, Frank, uh, whose last name I don't remember and probably doesn't want it said on the show, uh, Frank said, sent me a link to, did you realize there was a 1995 Showtime movie starring Sean Astin called Harrison Bergeron? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I had never seen it, seen it. But I knew that they made it. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah. I mean, it was, they had to completely redo it because there's not enough there's not enough content in Kurt Vonnegut's original short story yeah, to make it a whole short. movie. Um, so it was a complete rewrite. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. It was funny to see Sean Astin. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was pretty well done. All right, last super chat before we move on. Hey. Blackbeard, thank you, Blackbeard. He says, BLM good, all lives bad. BLM good, all lives bad. Yes, thank you for... Thank you for that, Blackbeard. We haven't had enough of that lately, so I do appreciate it. Uh, I have – here's here's something I'm going to do. I have an extra copy of the Anne Ryan's The Fountainhead. Whoa, 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 Carter. whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. Say that name again. Did you say Anne Rind? I said – I thought I said Ayn Rind. Oh, Anne Rind. Ayn Rand. There we go. <laughs> I have an extra copy of Ayn Rand's The Fountainhead. Carter sent me a two box set of since we're reading Atlas Shrugged for book club. And it also had a copy of the Fountainhead in it, which I already had. Somebody had already given me one. So I'm going to mail this to whoever wants it in the chat. Whoever's the first person that says they want it. Just send me uh, send us enough super chat for postage and just say in the super chat that you want it and I'll mail it to you. And you can just email me and send me your address. <laughs> there. <you go>. All righty. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I just I have trouble giving books away unless I know it's somebody that's gonna read it. I can't take it to like the used bookstore. I'm like, what if it doesn't end up with someone who really wants it? Yeah, no, no, I get that as well. And uh, as a result, I have a I have a shelf in my library of like double copies of books, and I just keep it there until someone says they're interested in the book, and then I give it. I'm like, oh, then I have a, I have a double copy of that one here. Um, so. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sylvia Pozos asks if James, she's, thank you, Sylvia. She said, did James respond to any of the super oh. chats last time? No, not, uh, yet. I actually don't think I even sent him. The and that's questions. my fault. Yes, but I will. Um, so I'm not drinking you, Yoohoo, Zan Wild. No, I am drinking Yerba Mate, not, not Yoohoo, but, uh, because of my so, youth-like appearance, I can see why you would assume it's you. Did you want to uh, talk about Kanye? Because, I mean... No, I, I just want to mention it. It's a silly, oh, okay. stupid thing, and he was in the news oh, again because okay. he officially filed, and he, he's on the ballot in Oklahoma now. Um, yeah, I thought we kind of talked about it before. I do think he has a shot if he runs again in 2024. Yeah, no, I don't need to talk about it. It was just silly because we, yeah. we first talked about it. He just tweeted and hadn't done anything, but now he's done stuff and formed a party called the birthday party and blah, blah, blah. Um, right. But, yeah, I don't, we don't need to do anything more there. Um, you know, I was just chatting with my friend this morning. Did you pay attention to the, um, Michelle Malkin thing in Denver this weekend? No, I don't know what you're talking about. So Michelle Malkin held a rally in Denver called Back the Blue. 
And uh, I, I kind of hope this maybe helps people understand some the fallacy of blind trust in the police. The rally was a back the blue rally. She was there to support the police. But Antifa stormed the stage, not Antifa, well, some BLM protesters stormed the stage, squirted her with some stuff. Some people were assaulted. Someone had a collapsible baton. And the police didn't intervene at first. They let it happen. And um, and so this, you know, made the made the news, and there's a Periscope video of it and stuff. But the reason that I, I think it's important to just stop and think about for a minute is um, – Increasingly, and I think this is more true in large cities, not maybe, you know, maybe not the country or if you have a county sheriff who could be good or whatever. But in large cities, increasingly, the, the role of the police is to make sure that it's an unfair fight. It's to stand there. So my, you know, one of my friend that was at the uh, that was beat up at at the Berkeley, um, the Battle of Berkeley, I guess it was called or whatever in, in 2016 or 2017, whatever. Um they were chanting Blue Lives Matter right before the police stood there and watched them get beat up. Um, so uh, I guess it was after the Battle of Berkeley, but whatever. Um, the The role of the police in major cities, these police departments are largely woke, largely controlled by the leftists. The orders that they're given are to um, stand down, stand down when it comes to you. They'll arrest you if you use if you use the proper amount of force to protect yourself you're you're the one who will get arrested like if someone stormed the stage um you should be allowed to push them off the stage you should be able to push them off the stage physically you should be allowed to that's space that you had that you presumably have a permit for like yeah you should be allowed to push them off the stage but if you do you'll get arrested and they they rarely will get arrested for any kind of altercation so the police are largely there to make sure that the radical leftists are protected to do whatever they want to you and you are going to be arrested if you fight back or do anything and so um i do think it's a little bit ironic that the right can be there at a back the blue rally and Blue's not on their side. And I don't think people understand that. I think people have a nostalgic viewpoint of the police departments. Like, oh, this is, they're just, you know, they're here to protect us and keep us safe. And uh, I don't think that's, by and large, I don't think that's true as a rule, especially in major cities. They're there to make sure that it's an unfair fight. And they're just going to harass you. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know if anyone else saw what happened in Denver. But she's got a whole Periscope video about it. I um, want to – can we talk for a second about the New York Times? <laughs> can it be about something specific? Cause... Yeah. Well. <laughs> sure. Well, <laughs> so you know how your eyes glaze over when I talk about economics? <laughs> really? Uh, the New York Times. No, okay. I'm, I'm so it's my yes. contention that – and I, I prepared, Carter. I have some things to show. Oh. Uh, Did you send them to me? Because about- that's the end of your preparation time, no. your to-do list. Oh, okay. No, I'm going to share my screen. Mm. So we talked about this on a previous episode that when the New York Times recently caved mm. over the Tom Cotton op-ed, yep. they, they published an, an op-ed by Tom Cotton, Senator Tom Cotton, a sitting senator, yep. who made a case, made an argument for uh, Trump using uh, uh, the feds to kill the violence and the rioting in some cities. Yes. Now, yes. you may not agree with him, 
but there was nothing in his article that was um, you, you may not agree with it, but there was nothing in there that was obscene or that shouldn't have been published or that was incorrect. It's an opinion piece that he backed up with facts and argumentation. Mm-hmm. The New York Times employees, which New York Times has become completely woke now, they basically ha- pitched a hissy fit. A lot of them, they publicly for the first time that I've ever seen on Twitter, a mass number, like a large number of, tw- of New York Times employees criticized the decision of their own paper to publish the op-ed. They said the op-ed harms people, mm-hmm. right? So they had a big hissy fit. Originally, the New York Times stood by their decision to publish the op-ed. They said, hey, we recognize that most of our opinion writers and our, our editorial staff have a certain point of view. They didn't explicitly name it, but right. it's social justice leftism right. is what it is. And so we regularly, when we get outside contributors, we try and get outside contributors with a different point of view. So that's the only place usually we're going to get some diversity of opinion. And so they stood by their decision originally. The New York Times employees continued to throw a hissy fit. Um, they uh, were having a lot of infighting on their internal Slack channels. Uh, they published a mass a, a letter that was signed by, I forget how many of them, hundreds. They staged a walkout or were going to stage a walkout. And so finally the New York Times cowed, bent the knee to its own employees, its own woke employees, said it was wrong of them to publish the op-ed um, and that from now on they're going to be making some changes <laughs> including that they're going to run all of their future op-eds by a black person. <laughs> they really <laughs> said this. <laughs> but you Sorry. know what? It doesn't matter that the person's black. It really doesn't. It's just, it's going to be a black person who agrees with social justice ideology. They would never run their stuff by a black person Candace. who doesn't agree. Yeah, can you run it by, run, yeah. run it by Thomas Sowell, see what he thinks. <laughs> see what Thomas Sowell thinks. No, no, <laughs> yeah. no. Um, they are not going to be soliciting as many op-eds from outside the times anymore like it's really changed everything and i know that the new york times has been becoming increasingly like fake news increasingly um publishing things that aren't true um in some cases and in other cases just publishing things but from a very obvious sjw slant and when we then when the tom cotton thing happened and by the way we went through on this channel and looked at some previous op-eds that they ran they ran one in defense of pedophilia. They yes. ran one from the Taliban yep. who's talking about what they want. For yeah, the a leader and of the Taliban. Yeah. <laughs> a leader of the Taliban did an op-ed. Was there yeah. massive pushback from inside the New York Times? No. Did anybody threaten to walk out? No. The, what about the defense of pedophilia? No, they were cool with it. Um, but God forbid a Republican senator write an op-ed about using the feds to kill the violence. Anyway. Um, so when that happened, I, I said it was my, my, anyway, my opinion was that, okay, this marks a new period for the New York Times. Like it's officially, that's the death knell. It's dead. This is dead. There's no hope of reviving it anymore. Right. Like there's no hope of a a resistance. I I don't know. They've been dead to me since, uh, I was 18. I don't know. Right. Well, (laughs) they're not dead. They weren't dead to everyone. Like people on the left. I understand. I get it. Liberals who like definitely getting worse. Mm-hmm. It's markedly worse now. This mm-hmm. is a new phase, a new phase because they changed their policies. So Barry Weiss, um, who is interestingly enough, I considered her to be, I don't know how she defines herself, but um, I consider her to speak some of their woke stuff, not entirely. And she's changed. You can watch her evolve. 
I remember when I, I saw recently an old clip when she was on Joe Rogan a few years ago and she was speaking a bunch of woke stuff about Tulsi Gabbard and didn't know what she was talking about and very much fits in with the, the culture of the New York times in that way. But since that time, since that interview and maybe some, she started to change. She's, she did a piece on the intellectual dark web. She interviewed some of these figures that the socialist left tries to attack like Jordan Peterson or, or Brett Weinstein. And she has increasingly become like target number one for fellow employees at the times. Like she's, I, I, I was watching the amount of hate she was getting daily. Yep. A lot of it, being sent her way from her fellow employees at the New York times. And I'm just like, how do you go to work every day when everyone hates you because you're a wrong thinker now, because now you've aligned your guilt by association. You know, you've aligned you yourself to with wrong thinkers. Jordan Peterson or whatever it was. Yeah. You dared to interview Jordan. Pe yeah. And so she resigned on July 14th and she pinned a, 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 an open resignation letter in the spectator. It was a good letter. And she's, it's a good letter. It's called Twitter is editing the New York times. And what she means by that for anyone who's confused, you shouldn't be, but she just means the people who run the culture on Twitter, the social justice ideology. Those are the people who edit. It's the same ideology that's editing the New York times now. Um, so I thought it was an amazing letter. I know some people who thought she didn't go far enough. She didn't name the ideology for what it is, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter guys. Like, this is a this was a great letter. She did, said her piece. Not everybody's going to use the exact same language. People um, have different experiences. People wake up to different varying degrees on their own timeline. This was very positive. Um, but she talks about how she was, uh, you know, harassed and targeted by fellow employees. She talks about the Tom Cotton op-ed. And if you guys haven't read it yet, I would definitely say check out this resignation letter because she sort of says, you know, it, these aren't her words. These are mine. But she's like, the New York Times is dead. Like, and I'm, I'm out. I'm quitting. Mic drop. Right. Well, this is an example um, of a purity spiral, too, because not too long ago, she would not have been distinguishable from the people that sh that are criticizing her to many people. Right. Like, right. She's not on the right. She's not. She's not on the right. Yeah. She would have been. Five years ago, even a couple years ago, she was indistinguishable from the people who have distanced themselves from her and criticized her. Yeah. Right. So. So here's my screen. Can I just, I'm going to wrap this up with a, can you see this? Uh, I, I have to put it up for people. So hold on for a second. Okay. Boom. There we go. They can see it. So this is the New York Times Twitter feed. And I just wanted to scroll through here because I am aware we do have some people. I was thinking about all the different types of people who make up our audience. And some people already agree with us on most things, but then there's a lot of progressives or liberals who are maybe on the fence about some things and maybe they're still um, having, having an awakening to some of where we're at currently in this culture. So take a look at the New York Times. Does anybody like this watching? Um, and if you scroll through their feed, I realized that most of their pieces fall into one of five categories. Either they're openly promoting social justice ideology or Black Lives Matter, which is the same thing. Black Lives Matter is part of social justice ideology. That's number one. Number two, they do a lot of Trump is bad or Republicans are bad. Uh, number three, they do a lot of Republicans are worried, like Trump may not win. Okay, that's a Trump may not win. Uh, number four, they do a lot of Biden is good or Biden's doing well. Biden's going to win. Okay. 
And then they do number five, a lot of the lockdown is good. So if you just scroll through, and I won't take too long doing this, but here's the first one. Republican donors and senators worry that with President Trump in trouble and the House probably out of reach, the Senate could be their last chance to hold power in Washington. Okay, that's category number three. Republicans are worried. Um, Scrolling down. Biden has built a larger lead than any candidate in 24 years since Clinton in 96. Since then, most big leads have faded. Is Biden's lead different? Okay, this is Biden is doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, then we have black artists, models, designers, and other creative professionals say they have been used to lend. They have been used to lend legitimacy to corporate diversity campaigns while being underpaid and pigeonholed. For them, the rush by brands to proclaim solidarity often rings hollow. So this falls into number one: SJW ideology or BLM. And in this case, they're saying, "Hey, you're not doing enough. We're not doing enough. Corporations aren't doing enough." But they're pushing social justice. Or ideology. they're being used That's, in some way too, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Um, this one. I don't know where this this one doesn't fall in one of my top five categories. This is about a judge who was killed. Um, that's actual, that's like a, an actual news. Like they did an actual news. Here, let's do number six. <laughs> Category number oh, six. Some actual news. news. Okay, I'm I'm ticking these off, guys. So we've got uh, one. Republicans are worried. We got one. Biden is doing good. We got one actual news and one social justice ideology. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now here we go. This is a guy talking about schools opening. Uh, so this goes into lockdown is good. Yep. Okay. Um, here we've got one. Teachers union sued Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida over his order pushing schools to fully reopen next oh, month. Coronavirus. He's, even yeah, as yeah. states coronavirus cases are starting. So this is lockdown is good and Republicans are bad. Um, the next one. <laughs> More than 6 million people in the U.S. enrolled in food stamps in the first three months of the coronavirus pandemic, an unprecedented expansion that is likely to continue. Now, this one I would say is actually news, just based on the headline. Do you Uh, think? Crippling economy? Actually news? I think so. This, yeah, I think so. Okay. We'll give them news for that one. We'll give them news. Okay, two potential coronavirus vaccines from Oxford University and Chinese company CanSino have triggered immune responses in hundreds of people without dangerous side effects, according to two studies published Monday. Um, what do you think of this one? Is this actual news or is this? I don't know. I, that you... that to me looks like actual news because it's not coronavirus is bad. Uh, it's okay, not, they're not, it's not as pro bad lockdown. As... Lockdown, right? It's... So they've got three actual news. This isn't as bad as I thought. Yeah. I went through this last night. And well, but hold on. What's yet? the one right below that? Right below that is a coronavirus tracker. Uh, it's the same story. Oh, okay. I just want to make sure. Okay. It's about, yeah, they, that's why they did a reply to themselves somehow. Okay. Wearing a mask. Our latest investigation reveals how PPE is being produced by Uyghur workers through China's controversial labor transfer program and how some of that equipment is making its way to the U.S. and around the world. This one's actually news. Most people aren't even... Re- I was actually shocked they reported anything on the Uyghurs. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, a former TV reporter running for Congress in Iowa plagiarized passages of at least a dozen times on her campaign website and op-eds, including 91 words lifted from a New York Times. Um, blah, blah, blah. Well, but, it, but look at the title, the subtitle. The Heat is on Trump. The heat is on Trump. New polls show how badly President Trump's coronavirus So this coronavirus is this is kind of a this falls into either like their tweet didn't sound like it, but it looks like it falls into either Biden good or coronavirus Trump bad or whatever. 
Let's do Trump bad. Okay. <clears throat> this is about a guy getting beat by feds in Portland. So this would be Trump bad, I would say. Yeah. Because yeah. this is in their continuous coverage about how sending the feds into Portland has been bad. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Theater leaders in France, Britain, and Germany met on Zoom to discuss representation or lack thereof in their industries. This is pushing SJW ideology. All right. We, we like how many are we going to okay, do? We can stop. I'm... We don't have to. But, okay. but there was one. This is actually um, last night when I was reading through it. It was yeah. seriously like six of them in a row that were Trump bad, Trump bad, Trump bad. Right. And and I'm like, does anybody look at the, do they ever publish anything about do they ever have a headline with anything positive about Trump? No, I, I can't recall seeing one. Well, they would look argue that there is nothing positive about Trump. Right. So, yeah. They can't possibly have a head like I even just the way some a lot of times it's not even the story. It, it Then you read it and it's the way that they word things like <laughs> I saw a headline. I don't remember what it was. Maybe it wasn't New York Times, but it was like in sweaty Fox News interview, Trump, blah, blah, blah. It's like a sweaty interview. Like everything they say is designed. Did you ever watch the movie yeah. um, Wag the Dog? Yes. OK. Now, in Wag the Dog, it was. um it was very much about how it's a great movie that I think it's a great movie to watch. Uh, Tim Robbins is in it. It's, it's clearly written by people on the left. So they believe that the corporate media is pushing people on the right, which makes kind of no sense, except for the fact that it's pushing war, which is true. It does, does push war. Um, but you could, they, you kind of get a behind the scenes look of all of the, um, the bias coverage. So like the guy, the guy that they want to win, the Senate race, they like, they'll have a, a picture of him, you know, doing something really great. And then they'll show the other guy and they'll show him like trying to eat something at a festival he was at and like dribbling stuff, dribbling down his chin. And they're like, that's the, that's the image they show of him. Right. So it's all this kind of bias reporting. It's a, it's a fun to watch. I look, I, uh, I'm glad people are waking up to the New York times. I do think it is con- getting uh, continuously worse. <laughs> um, I'm not, what I'm about to say is not a, uh, I'm not saying you're not welcome to the party. Like, yes, you're welcome to the party. Come come to the party. Uh, but I do think it is important to encourage people that are just waking up to this stuff uh, to not give up in their intellectual inquiries as to the underlying causes of and roots of these problems. Because I think what's going to happen – well, one of my concerns – is that people say, oh, the New York Times got bad just recently. They went full social justice just recently. That's the problem with the New York Times. And so they they distance themselves from the New York Times and they identify the problem. They draw a little circle around the problem. It went full social justice. That's the problem. And this is what's wrong with social justice. And we all get that. But uh, the question that you should be asking is, why did they go social justice? What What came before that? What was the how was the, how were they set up such that social justice could easily metastasize in that world? And like, so, I, which is why I think it's, which is why we talk about philosophy a lot, which is why we even interview people like James Lindsay, who he, he's not, he's not out saying social justice is bad. He's out saying, here are the roots of it. Here's where it goes. Like, this is where this all came from. And, and there's, the reason that it's important is because you, you have to, if you're going to prevent it from regrowing or some bad, some other bad thing from regrowing, you have to you have to figure out why 
the environment allowed this to happen in the first place? What went wrong intellectually and philosophically at these institutions that allowed this stuff to happen? And it's not a problem that happened. It's This isn't a two years ago, something went wrong with the New York Times. This is decades ago. I mean, the New York Times, let's just, everyone well, knows not, this, but like Walter well, Durante got a Pulitzer Prize at the New York Times, right? Okay, before you get into that, I actually have sure. some stuff about him too. Okay. I did just want to show... I think we're getting out of this a little bit too soon. It, I agree with you. This didn't just start two years ago. Social justice didn't start two years ago. It's been planted for decades. But when somebody's just waking up, you can just show them something like this. It's much easier for them to see this. And it's okay if they think it just happened. It really is because they're going to they're gonna wake up slowly, you know? Like, I understand. I'm trying to tell them that it's right, the tip of the iceberg and right. encourage them to do their own research, right? right? I'm not, Absolutely. Right? That's what I'm trying to tell them. Um, what, right. sorry, what else did you want to say about the New York Times? Do you want to go back to your screen or what do you want to do? Yeah, just one more time. Just let me highlight a couple things and then right. I'll be done. Go back and on I your screen. They, they can see it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, here we have these, I think these are some of the ones I was looking at last night. Hannibal Burris, comedian. This is a Black Lives Matter post. Um, then right below it, we have another Black Lives Matter. This is about the Black Lives Matter murals. Um, We've got a couple more of the coronavirus complications. These are kind of like the fear thing. There's one that they do. Oh, this is a funny BLM one. Trader Joe's is now getting rid of Trader Jose and Trader Mings. I guess those they <laughs> find those brands to be racist. So that's an SJW one. Um, this is about Representative John Lewis among the 13 original Freedom Riders who are being attacked. This is actual news. But I'm gar- I bet you if you were to read this piece, they w- it would also fall on the SJW ideology thing because they would try and link it back to this narrative they're pushing currently. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what I was I was looking at this. Lesson. The president's remarks on Fox News Sunday looked a lot like the contentious potpourri more commonly found on his Twitter feed and at rallies. The difference this time was a vigorous attempt by Chris Wallace to fact check him. That's Trump is bad. Um, here's Joe Biden is good. Joe Biden Joe Biden is running a risk-averse campaign in states like Wisconsin, where a broad coalition of supporters is emerging. Even Republicans are noticing. So this is all. This is a Joe Biden is good and doing good, and a Republicans are worried. Uh, post uh, right under it, President Trump ignores the coronavirus crisis. Crisis. Republicans are worried about angry voters and a rampaging. So this is Trump is bad, and Republicans are worried. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just it just again, this is just you can go through here on any given day and see what categories everything falls into for you and see if you ever get one. We've had a couple on our, our tally this this afternoon that were actual news, but I guarantee you you're not going to get one that's Trump is good. <laughs> Here's the thing you're, that he did Trump well is doing well. Right. Yeah, it's just you're just not going to get it. And Sometimes it takes something little like that, I guess. My whole point is that for people who are just starting to wake up, um, something like that can help them. If their mind is already opening up a bit, you can take it off my screen. I did want to talk about Walter Durante, if you want to bring bring that up. Because a lot of people don't know about that. I, I didn't know about it till I watched Hoaxed with um, oh, you didn't? Mike Sargovich's documentary. No, I, oh. I think I'd heard about it a few times, but I didn't really pay attention until then. So Walter so- Durante was um so he was the moscow bureau chief of the new york times in the 1920s and 30s and you can go to wikipedia which we know has an sjw slant 
and read straight from Wikipedia, and it still will tell you the truth about this guy. He did a series of reports about the Soviet Union, and he got a Pulitzer Prize for these reports in which he denied that there was widespread famine in the USSR, in the Ukraine. He denied it. And they know that he knew, he knew the famine was happening. In his private correspondence, he was writing about it with friends, that the population there had declined by six or seven million under his, in his estimation. And at the same time he was doing that, he was publishing pieces in the New York Times saying, no, the, no there's nothing bad. There's no famine going on. He had a Pulitzer Prize for lying to the American people about what was happening there. Yeah. And, you know, I didn't yeah. know about that. He denied the Holodomor. He like, did. He, he uh, I mean, and the, and this is something that the history of the New York Times is, it's, it wasn't just the New York Times, but yeah, the New York Times, um, reporters would go to the Soviet Union. I mean, you can watch Yuri Brezmanov to hear about how, how they handle this stuff, right? Or, or, or read some Yuri Brezmanov, but, or Bezmanov, but, um. Yeah, they, they that's they roll out Potemkin villages, right? They 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 take people, they they set them up in a fake village that to, to look really that looks successful and normal. They feed them for a few weeks so that's fatten them up a little bit. Um, basically, if they're not smiling and happy and pretending to have a good time, their family will be shot. So they're all there <laughs> pretending to have a good time, and yeah. life in the Soviet Union is great. The Western reporter comes in, they get paraded around the Potemkin village. And uh, they just don't ask any questions, and they, they go away. I just read um, – Yuri wrote a book called – I think it was called World Thought Police maybe or World – something like that. Um, and in it, he describes how, um, how lazy reporters are and how they really want you to do their work for them. And so that was – one of the things the Soviet Union did was just take advantage of this. Like, oh, we wrote a little thing for you. Do you want to, like, rewrite it? And, like, oh, like – here's, here's a story you could do. And like, here's some information and like, and, and the, when you have a press that, and, and this has been true, I believe for many major publications in the United States for several decades, when you have publications that accept the underlying premises of the Soviet Union, right? You had, you had people who appreciated the idealism of communism, who, you know, maybe if they weren't actual communists, like kind of had some sympathy for this, these ideas of collectivism and, you know, I don't know about this rugged individualism stuff. When you have those people reporting on the Soviet Union, uh, they're very susceptible to being tools for Soviet propaganda. And it's not just that. You don't need a superpower. You don't need a uh, Soviet Union to, to push this stuff. It lends them to write things and with a certain perspective that is... Uh, well, I'll, we'll just say anti-enlightenment values. So look at the New York Times. When was the last time they endorsed a president for a candidate, a presidential candidate when, when two candidates were running, when was the last time that they endorsed a candidate that was more free market, like more towards the, the free market individualist side and less towards the left? I don't know the answer. So someone in chat, if you want to look it up and tell me I'm wrong, fine. Um, but yeah, Ninja Kitty points out rugged individualism of the whiteness concept. Thank you, Ninja. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, so when was the last time they've done that? They they are not. They've not been objective, truth seeking reporters for. I don't know if they ever were. Really, I'm not sure if they ever were. Maybe 
maybe there they were at some point and maybe there was it's, you know it's definitely did? gotten worse right you know what Durante did to deny the famine that was happening that killed millions of people in the Ukraine in Soviet Ukraine he got a quote from the USSR right denying it this is how this is how this is the same thing 60 minutes done did to deny that Hillary Clinton had health issues they got a quote from her campaign and that was their source right um it's that same, you know, it's the same kind of thing. If you have a bias like that, you you take your side, you assume that your side is factual and upstanding. So you just ask them for a quote. Hey, Hillary campaign, what's going on? Oh, that must be the truth. But if but if you ask the Trump campaign, well, that must be a lie. We need to really investigate it because it's probably not true because obviously we don't trust him. Um, and so, yeah, I, I hoax is a great documentary to watch for people who haven't seen it. But um, I, I, you know, project someone mentioned CIA's Project Mockingbird. That I don't think that was ever actually officially shut down, right? So it's not just the Soviets that do this. The U.S. does propaganda as well, um, and explicitly, the CIA uh, was doing propaganda all over the world. And that even when they don't do it explicitly in the U.S., which I think there was evidence that they they have, um, it filters back to the U.S. because like. You know, U.S. reporters look at news that's being reported outside and they bring it back. It's the same kind of games that intelligence agencies play where the NSA is like, well, we can't spy on our own citizens. But, hey, uh, British intelligence, you guys can spy on our citizens. Wink, wink. You can't spy on yours, but we can spy on yours. Wink, wink. Hey, how about we exchange some data? Woohoo! We're, we're, hey, the letter of the law has been met and we get to spy on our own citizens. <laughs> like, they do that. This That kind of crap happens all the time. And so yeah. I don't, anyone who's been who thinks that there is any major newspaper that they are willing to look at without any hint of skepticism. Uh, the problem is you're not looking at anything with skepticism. Like, I'm, I'm not sure there is. I mean, who reads Breitbart without skepticism? <laughs> like, of course, right. they have an agenda. We know they have an agenda. You read them with skepticism. And the thing you've got to realize is everyone has it. Your side has it too. The New York Times has it too. You got to read them with skepticism. Here's the thing, and we've mentioned this before. I prefer the places that tell you in their about page right. who we are. Breitbart tells you they're conservative leaning. They tell you this. The Daily Wire tells you this. They're honest about it. That shows a level of honesty that makes them honest. That I respect them more than I do the New York Times. Or BuzzFeed. Can you believe that BuzzFeed in their About Us page, BuzzFeed tries to pretend it's neutral? BuzzFeed doesn't. The BuzzFeed is the, is like the Breitbart of the left. You you could have the decency and the honesty to say that, yeah. but they don't. They try to pretend they don't have a slant, and that makes me I trust them even less. It is it's garbage. Right. I would rather read a right leaning publication that's honest about where they lean instead of trying to pass itself off as, as having no point of view, like yep. the New York Times does. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you, and the New York Times has been getting worse. And, and I'm not saying it's the same. It was better in 1980 than it is today. Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not arguing. Yeah, I don't know if it was or not, but it definitely, I think the Tom Cotton thing sig signaled a new phase. This is yeah. one where they're just out well, right it, now it's saying. It's part of the metastasizing yeah. of the woke, right? So they 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 had the the foundations, they laid the foundations in a lot of places, and like you've said before, the Manchurian candidates were activated, and I think they were activated at the New York Times. Like, oh, it's time to enforce the woke ideology. Uh, so, 
don't blame you. Don't blame you. Um, speaking of the Tom Cotton article. Okay. Uh, there have been now federal agents protecting federal property in Portland in particular. Did you see that, Carrie? So the governor's upset about this. Um, my understanding is the federal agents are protecting federal property, although I've also seen reports that they're roaming the streets and, and arresting people generally. Um, and the governor is quite upset about this. So now that there's like a, now there's a, a Department of Homeland Security and the governor are having a exchange of words publicly now about how each one is a jerk. Um, but there's this, so I was talking to someone the other day about this and I'm kind of of the mindset, part of me is kind of of the mindset like, well, let them burn themselves down. Like if this is what, the, if this is what the left wants to do, like leave them alone, let them burn their cities down, let them create all these problems. Uh, it'll, everyone will see that this stuff doesn't work and you know why are we why are we trying to defend these <sighs> nodes or anti nodes these <laughs> these uh bastions of liberal or not liberalism uh nexuses leftism. of leftism like radical leftism they're like radical leftist flashpoints like why are we trying to protect them what are we trying to do um and, you know, the problem is there are people that live there that don't agree, that do care about their private property and their safety. And there is a clause in the United States Constitution, uh, oddly enough, called the Supremacy Clause, uh, <laughs> which, like, states aren't supposed to violate the Constitution. They're not supposed to violate the U.S. Constitution. That's part of what they're supposed to do. Now, oddly enough, that gets ignored constantly. Um, so... It, this is kind of selective enforcement of that. But, uh, you know, if people's private property rights are getting violated and the, the local government's not doing anything at all, I don't know, maybe you could make a case that, like, the feds need to step in and protect people's private property and safety from people who are, like, we're, we're in a world where the leaders of these cities literally want... They're, they want to let the people that are radical leftists burn, loot, destroy, kill, do graffiti, like, and they want them to do it with impunity. So if you're a victim of that violence, uh, what recourse do you have but to leave or yeah. to appeal to an authority that isn't your city's authority because your city doesn't care um, and your state yeah. might not even care. So uh, I know I still have some mixed feelings about it because – it is very selective uh, enforcement. Like, <laughs> no one tells states they can't violate the Second Amendment. I mean, I guess once in a while someone goes, quote, too far uh, and something gets struck down. But there's not there's a lot of violating the Constitution that happens all the time. And so that doesn't get monitored. But in this case, or it doesn't get policed. But in this case, um, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to make an argument if you are going to be the kind of person who wants to save the U.S., <laughs> In some way, it's hard to make an argument that uh, the feds shouldn't step in and protect people in these zones. I fully think the feds should step in. I used to be Mick had have mixed feelings about it back when the Tom Cotton piece came out. I had mixed feelings. I think I even said that when we talked about it. Right. 
I don't feel the same anymore. I'm tired of watching these rioters um, taking over cities, locking the P- Portland police in the police station. What if it had caught on fire? Right. They well, and they've tried to dis- they've, they've they've tried to burn police buildings and other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they put they were putting up barricades so they couldn't get out if something happened. You know, they're, they're destroying cities. There, there's that video of the black guy who starts removing all the barricades and screaming at them because mm-hmm. he's trying to drive through and go to work. It's like some people have to work. Like, I, I just there's a limit to. It's so funny to me that when people were out peacefully protesting against these unconstitutional state lockdowns, the media, the New York Times. All the Democratic congressmen, the politicians, were putting down those protesters and crapping all over them. And people like Don Lemon were insinuating that they were stupid and they were hicks. And people were belittling them and trying to equate their very real what they their very real need to provide for their families with just wanting haircuts. You know, they were belittling them. I do want a haircut, by the way. But, yeah. yeah, they were they were <laughs> they were crapping all over them and they were saying and then the governor of places like Michigan, Queen Gretchen, they were saying stuff like, you know, the more you protest, it's just you're just going to get punished more. I'm just going to continue the lockdowns more. Right. And they were actively discouraging and saying they would arrest people. The Chicago mayor, we will arrest you. We will arrest you. We will take you to jail. OK, so then what happens? Then these protests start now because it's for a leftist cause and it's. Not only do they support it, they're out in the streets with these protesters and they're not calling out the rioting, the graffiti, the the arson, the burning of buildings, the destruction of Or when they do, they businesses. say it's good, actually. Yeah. 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 They yeah. don't. And, and so it, it's so hypocritical. I don't know how you could look at the response, the different the differing response they've had to the two different kinds of protests and think that this is OK. And I'm tired of looking at footage of the rioting in the streets. I don't even live in Portland, but I'm sick of it on their behalf. And, and you know, yes, I I mean, I used to be on the fence, but you guys, it's pushed me far enough now where I'm like, sure, send in the feds. Start arresting these people. Like, <laughs> take them to jail. I, I don't know. I'm So I'm still on the fence and I'm probably, this is actually an interesting thing because I think you and I would have disagreed the opposite way <laughs> like a year Last ago. Time. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm kind of on the fence still, and I'm actually leaning more towards like, I, you know what? Don't send in the feds. Just let it just let it go. Let it go. If this is how they want to run their cities, if this is the example they want to give to the world that this is these are leftists, this is what leftism is about, this is where we want to take the country, this is how we this is what we think should work. We're going to we're going to abolish the police. We're going to do this like, OK. Like, I get it. And I would, if I were the federal government, I'd be like, look, uh, if you need to escape, uh, here's some plate. We'll help you escape. If you want to get out, now's the time to get out. Uh, we'll, we'll let you out of the city. Well, I don't know. I don't know how you help people get out of the city. If you want to get out of the city, fine. Uh, but, you know, you want to be in there and you want to have your leftist utopia and burn shit down. Like, all right. Instead of keeping the federal building open and trying to protect it, just close it. Treat it like a separate country. Like, all right, we're done. We're done. There's no, there's no feds there at all. You guys are on your own. Um, we don't. We're not going to intervene. Like, good luck. And uh, we're not coming back until the state asks us to. The state. We're done with you. We're done with you. Um, and I know that's tough. And I know that the innocent people are going to die. But innocent people are going to die anyway. And uh, I just don't. We're not. <laughs> 
I don't want good people to die in service to saving Portland. I mean, like, it's Portland. I mean, it's, this is what they want. This is what they want. So let them have what they want. Let them have what they want. You know, in a free society, the commies can go have a little commune. Go have it. Go have your commune. Uh, And it doesn't, and, and, and again, people who want out, who don't want a part of that, like, okay, let's help you get out. But. All the leftists in there that want the caviar utopia in Portland, go enjoy it, right? And we'll see how long it lasts. Um, one thing that you notice about these people, and this is this is uh, this is important to I think to notice when they talk about defunding the police, they talk about all these other ways that they're gonna uh, that they are going to manage problems in society, right? In fact, in fact, there's a document. Um, I actually, I was looking for where this document came from, um, before I shared it cause it was sent to me by someone and it looks like it's an official, I'm pretty sure it's an official kind of black lives matter document, but I don't know exactly, uh, where it came from, but I'm going to show it anyway, a guide to allyship, right? Um, and you can go, there's a lot wrong with this, with document, which we can go through maybe at a later date a little bit more, but. You can go through this and they'll talk about defunding the police. And they'll talk about, they have a little thing, what would be some alternatives? Another world is possible. You're experiencing mental health crisis. Well, instead of calling the police, you call 311, a first responder trained in mental health comes to your door. An hour later, you're in a safe place. Okay. Some folks are sleeping on benches. Someone comes and gives them food and shelter. That's their idea. Incidents of gun violences are rising in your neighborhood. Imagine a trauma-informed crisis intervention team works with community activists to disarm and de-escalate conflicts. People doing harm are connected to services that address the underlying problem. Now, notice how this is anti-individualist completely. This is all collectivist. Like, who calls the police and is like, there's incidences of gun violence in my neighborhood? Like, I, it's usually more direct than that. But okay, someone's behaving erratically. Like, they, for all these things, they have answers. But all of these answers, if you look at all of these answers... All of these answers are premised on this idea that um, the the answer to any kind of problem, any kind of violence, all of these answers are resource allocation answers. This is the violence only happens because uh, the resources are not allocated equally slash fairly or whatever they whatever their word for it would be. This is all resource allocation. Now, what they never answer to you is. How do you allocate resources without the use of force? Because you can't collect taxes without police, without someone armed. I mean, it doesn't have to be the actual local police, but someone armed collects taxes from you at the end of the day. So how do you do resource allocation without armed people? The world they're going for is a world in which the only people that are armed are the people that are there from the government to rob you and give your resources to other people and to, to, to create their little leftist utopia where if people are murdering each other in the inner city, someone shows up with food and job training programs to try and talk them down, right? Or like, that's it, that's, the, that's their utopia. They're gonna steal your resources by force because that's the only way you'll give them up. So they need force to steal your resources and then they're just gonna allocate your resources into their, their little beautiful idea of uh, replacing the police is all this crap which is 
taking resources and throwing them around and distributing properly. And if someone is a, a murderer, we don't put them in jail because that doesn't work very much. We'll we'll get to the root cause and give them some therapy and a job. And now they work at Wendy's and that will be better. I Like it is uh, the dirty secret that they're hiding is all of this relies on resource allocation and it's a and it's violent resource allocation and it's your resources. That's what it all relies on. So I, I think it's, it's super important and to understand it's idiots that. donating it. Like the Chaz people, when I saw the interview, it's like, where does all the food, where do all the food and supplies come from? And she's like, oh, people just send it to us. And well, but that's, but that's not their long-term proposal because that doesn't work, right? But in the meantime, that, that's, people are giving, Black Lives Matter donations must be at this point in the, who knows, is it close to, it's in the hundreds of millions. Oh, it's got to like, be like a lot of major companies are, are are um matching or doubling contributions. A lot of there's basketball players who are donating a million dollars yep. each. Like it's it's got to be in the hundreds of millions now. And 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 it's people are just like yeah. throwing this much probably a billion and they're throwing this money at them and what are they doing with it? Here's an article from July 10th. More Black Lives Matter protesters released after $1.4 million in bond paid. And the article talks about how the $1.4 million was to get four people out of jail. Um, earlier in the month, they posted $2.1 million in cash bonds to secure the release of eight prisoners. Right. What, are these pe- what are these prisoners charged with? One was charged with um, setting a sheriff's office on fire. Another was throwing rocks. These are rioters. Right. They're using these millions of dollars – to get right. violent rioters and looters and arsonists out of prison. Right. And and, and then all you have, Go ahead. And then you have celebrities, these moron, these moronic celebrities. I was just looking up there was there was one company I, I saw that was giving millions and I was looking for it and uh, I couldn't find it but as I was Google searching, you know what came up in the news carter <laughs> on here? Uh, Jason Mraz is donating. Now, I remember in a previous one, you didn't know who he is, which made me laugh. I still don't Jason know Jason Mraz is, oh my God, good. He's awful. I, I used to work for his management company. Um, Jason Mraz is donating all the earnings from his album to Black Lives Matter. Look at this, look at this quirky oh, hipster. Jason Mraz? Um, I, you know what? Mraz, yeah. I'm so good at blocking him out. I don't even remember the last time I forgot and you told me who he was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. He only ever, ever did one song that I liked and it was a ripoff of Pachelbel's Cat canon which i i later a, a musician pointed out to me that's why you like that song because the melody is pocketbell's canon but we he was like the biggest client at one of the management companies i worked at and um he thought he i just anecdotally this is my opinion he seemed to think he was jesus and mm. you know just very uh full of himself okay gives what i'm donating a million dollars all these empty-headed celebrities yeah. what are they doing and you know what he's doing with that you know what they're doing with that I went to Ben Affleck's page the other night. I was like, I bet he's gotten super woke now. I bet he oh, has. Of course, his, of course. And his Instagram page was all woke Black Lives Matter stuff. Do you know what Ben Affleck is buying when he does that? Do you know what Jason Mraz is buying when they do that? They're buying a sense of being a good person. I'm good, guys. Look at how good and cool I am. I'm going to give all this. I'm going to I'm going to purchase it with this money. Where's that money going? Oh, it's letting arsonists out of prison. Right. Right. No, I mean, I agree that the donations are stupid and the donations are only possible because the wealth is possible because you uh, are living in a society that doesn't implement the ideas that they're pushing for. Uh, yeah. But um, yeah, but I, I guess I guess the, what I'm trying to talk about or what I was trying to yeah. say is like their end goal 
relies on forcible distribution forceful. of wealth. Like for, well, that's like, after they quit getting voluntary. Well, yeah, I mean, they payments. they will. I mean, if they turn everything in, if, if they owned the country, there would be no voluntary. I mean, actually, if they want to turn the country into a, a place where people only the things that get voluntarily funded by people get funded, like I'm actually down with that. That's great. Can we just switch? Let's get rid of the IRS and replace everything with voluntary funding where you can uh, voluntarily say, this is the dollar amount I want to go to this particular thing. Uh, I don't think that goes well for them, but uh, I'm I'm totally down with that. I'm totally down with that. But that's not what they're that's not what they're doing. That's not what they're doing. And look at right. in the chat, everyone's on. You guys are so smart. Yeah, Lisa, Mellowcat, others are. They're all saying, yeah, this is this money's not going to poor black communities. It's not going to build anything or create anything. It's not going no. to the actual communities that they say they support. No, it's going to bail rioters out of jail. Right. Of course. Curse. So they can continue rioting. Yeah, no, and and if you cared about those people, you would uh, you would actually want to deregulate, give them, free them up to be able to better themselves, and not keep them in. Uh, <laughs> there's a you know a welfare trap. Like there's a lot of things that you would do for inner cities that uh, would actually help people um, better themselves. You would tell them to I don't know get married to have kids and stay stay married. Anyway. Um, let's do some super chats quickly because we're behind. Uh, oh, thank Derek, you guys. thank you, Derek. He says, just want to shout out that Yuri uh, Besmanov has a few short books that are well worth reading. They're legally free on the internet archive.org. Yeah, I think one of them was that World Thought Police thing I mentioned. There's also a lot of great videos of Yuri. Uh, Yuri is Yuri was. I want to say he was prescient, but he wasn't predicting anything. He was just like saying, "This is what we were doing." Uh, what was happening? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, why bother? Thank you. Why bother? Uh, hello, my favorite rebels. Unsafe space is live. Plus ten to mental health. Uh, mental health is non woke, so don't know how you can support mental health. Uh, Maria Tuskin, just curious. Do you guys find yourselves wanting to self censor more now that you have more people watching? No. Uh, I I try and find myself qualifying things a little bit more because. Uh, There's context that matters for a lot of the things that we'll say, and at least for me, there's context. So um, sometimes just going straight to a black pill is like will turn people off. So I try and like provide a little bit more context first. Like okay, blah blah blah. Like I, I think I explain myself and explain stuff that I feel like I've said a million times. I say it a million and one times again uh, to provide context so that new people coming in um, don't just you know they're not just like ah you know. A crazy voluntarist. Um, although that would be accurate. I'm a crazy voluntarist. I uh, I will answer this. I don't. Carter and I agree on our our basic principles of free speech and the non-aggression principle, but we actually do disagree on a lot. Oh yeah. Outside of that. Yeah. And so a lot of Carter, political stuff too. Right. And so Carter at times I think is a little too black pilled, and right. he has been. I would say you're not trying to censor yourself. You're just trying to maybe not cause everyone to lose hope. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not censoring. I'm also like, look, uh, I don't want to say this. The way you sell chemotherapy to a cancer patient isn't like, check out these pills. They'll make you puke and your life will suck for six months. It's like, that's not, that's not the sales pitch, right? The sales pitch is like, 
I'm sorry you have cancer, this is very bad, but there's a chance and blah, 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 and take the pills. If you smoke some pot, then, you know, you might not throw up as much. Like, you, you have to lay out context. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a voluntarist. Uh, I <laughs> am, um, I absolutely think that we are in a critical war for enlightenment values, which is why we do this channel. Um, and I think a lot of people that are just starting to wake up are just starting to see the tip of the iceberg, and there's a lot there. And so um, if you just go right to the deep and you're like, hey, if you look, you know, if you look 10,000 leagues underneath, the iceberg's still there, and this is how big it is, they, they'll freak out. So um, yeah, I try and be a little bit more careful. I, I admit I to will that. Say that. I don't think it's censoring. This is not censoring, but it is. Someone in the chat just said, stop playing with your hair. Okay. That's not me trying to censor, but I am trying to. The thing is, Carter, when he talked, I wasn't on the screen. And you guys don't know this, but when I'm off camera, I, I have a ner I don't even think about it. I twirl my hair all day. It's like But you're on the screen thing. for them. But now I'm on the screen all the time. And so right, everybody yeah. sees me doing all my little ticks. Oh, so yeah. I'm trying to do less of my ticks, but that's good for me to do less of my ticks. So yeah. I will try to remember that that's not censoring i will try i am i am making an active effort to not actually censor uh to answer your question maria i'm trying to not censor but um yeah okay you know sushi is not cold dead raw fish right like there's a way to sell it uh, i mean it is there's a way to sell it but yeah. that's not the way to sell it. uh all right denise thank you denise denise says i'm so happy to catch you live i'm grateful for your channel thank you denise we're grateful that you're here and for your super chat um Let's let's keep moving. Uh, Blackbeard, Blackbeard, thank you, Blackbeard. He says, Carrie, I dare you to look at the new topics on Reddit. The new topics. News in quotes. Is that the new? Oh, the news topics. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe I haven't, news. I haven't been topics. on Reddit oh, okay. in a while. Reddit in a while. I'll, I will check it out. I, I zoom Denise into Reddit welcome. like once a I'm, month. <laughs> Denise, we're grateful that you're here, and all the new people that are here. It's yes. Cool. Um, some days we need to go more black pill than other days, I guess. All right. Uh, Cuppy Cake. Thank you, Cuppy Cake. Antonio Sabato Jr. starring a movie studio from conservative actors who have been blacklisted. Also unwoke. Our is a new job. HR is a new job site for unwoke COs. Woohoo. I'm not. I feel like I'm failing at parsing this properly. Let me read some of these. Antonio Sabato is starting a movie studio for conservative actors. Okay, I got that. That's cool. Also Unwoke. Yeah. Maybe he isn't, wait, HR is a new job site for Unwoke companies? Ooh, I'm not sure. Oh, I know what this is. Okay. I should have read this one. So yeah. there's a, a, a new website, unwoke.hr. And oh. you guys should, Cuppy Cake, thanks for mentioning this. But here's what happened. So they basically said, we want to provide a job site for employees and employers who just want to hire based on merit. And you can, um, if you're a company, you can create an anonymous profile here and say what you're looking for. And if you're an employee uh, who's looking for a job, you can post your resume with your name hidden and you know just, and, and you can be anonymous and try to find a job. And they basically encourage you to quit your woke job with a hashtag saying, you know, I think with, uh, I'm out or something, like I'm leaving. This is a great idea, but what happened immediately is the woke people on Twitter got pissed off they started calling everyone who's using the site what do you what do you think carter uh nazi or white supremacist 
Both, yes. They started calling them all Nazis and white supremacists, they said. And then they hacked the site and were able to get the names of people that weren't showing on the resumes. Um, And they were making lists of people never to hire. And then they they hacked the site and they started posting all just like flooding the site with ridiculous fake resumes and stuff because they can't stand that it exists. So I think the site, after it was compromised, I think it's back up. And I think it's, um, you know, they weathered that storm. I think it's still functioning, and I would encourage you to check it out. Just know, of course, it's ripe for being hacked. And but if you're if you're if you want to get out of the woke job environment and you want to find a company that's hiring that was brave enough to create a profile on this site, like go do it. Who cares if they find out your name? Who cares? You know. I just, I just think it's funny because the description of the website that you just gave. You know what that's called? That's called the jobs website. <laughs> It that should was, be called. A that job was normal. Website. Like that was normal. <laughs> like that's what that was called. That was yeah. Normal. That's, so that's here's a, the site. I love that. That's a new business model. <laughs> yeah, hire thinkers, not activists. Okay. Wow. And it says hire courageous, free-thinking, and freedom-loving individuals, not ideologues whose only agenda is to weaponize your brand and business and further a radical cause. And then they have a section for employers and a section for people to upload their resumes. Um, look at this. Oh, I haven't read this yet, Carter, since we're doing this. To whom it may concern, we understand that a very small but loud group of people have taken serious offense by the unwoke platform. We don't care. Yes. (laughs) We just find it jaw-dropping that so many people in that particular line of work, destruction, they know it when they know what it is. They know it is. Destruction have been shouting for years about establishing hiring processes where the ethnicity of a person is masked. Now, when we've created it, their heads suddenly explode because of how, quote, racist, end quote, it is. It makes one wonder how dedicated to their principles they really are. Rhetorical question. To Vice Media. Vice Media did a hit piece on them. Vice Media, please remove your statements linking us to, quote, white supremacists, end quote, calling us dumb, in quotes, and deserving of, quote, being trolled to death. Vice Media. This is your media, guys. Fail to do so, and you will have a nice defamation suit coming your way very soon. Trust us, serving you would be an absolute joy. <laughs> to our users, thank you for the unimaginable level of support. The amount of love letters are in the thousands, and we're working diligently to reply to each and every one of you. Some people out there, including some media outlets, would like to have you believe that we we had a rocky start. We not only disagree, but the whole notion is blatantly false. First of all, we weren't hacked. We were XSS attacked. Okay, I to to somebody like me that doesn't know the difference. Okay, keep keep going. Yeah, yeah. Secondly, the email leak wasn't really a leak. We built the entire Unwoke platform over a weekend to see if a concept like this would stick. So of course there were flaws, but the trolls did us a favor by exposing our vulnerabilities. They they then they put their findings on social media so we could fix everything immediately. Just brilliant work there. Free lunch as far as we're concerned. So stay tuned. A lot of new and exciting updates are coming very soon. What have we learned? Nothing. It only confirms what we already knew, that the people shouting are incapable of creation and only capable of destruction, and that a platform like Unwoke is desperately needed and desperately feared by the same people who seek to destroy it. Is this platform secure? Unequivocally, yes. Sincerely, the creators of Unwoke. So (laughs) there you have it, guys. They say they fixed their flaws. If you are looking for a job, go upload your CV, unwoke.hr. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I... You know, 
if they really want to make sure that they're hack proof, there's actually you could actually design that in a way where you never act, they don't even know your name ever. So uh, you never have to have that information uploaded. But um, yeah, and the first thing that was just that's just a cross scripting attack. And if they threw together a test site to see if it would work, it that totally makes sense that they would have vulnerabilities like that. But that's not that's easy to fix. Um, so uh, yeah, if they're I wouldn't imagine that's a problem. I love what they're doing. I think it's great. Um, and uh, I love that the woke left hates it. So, yeah. All right. Let's do a few more uh, super chats. Why bother? Thank you, Why Bother. Why Bother says, Wag the Dog is my favorite movie. Such a great depiction of mob mentality. The war is over. I saw it on TV. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is, I haven't watched it in years. It's a good movie, though, if I remember. Um Two A Self Defense Law says, "Thank you, thank you, Two A Self Defense Law." Thank um, you, he gives us twenty bucks and says, "I woke up a few months ago as to the toxicity of this cult. Even though college class I've taken in the late late nineteen eighties pointed it out." Yeah. So the the particular flavor of this ideology and this this particular like. Um, this particular woke stuff is, I mean, not super new. Carrie, Carrie knew about it you know, 20 years ago, but like in terms of like rolled out in the mainstream, this is, this is kind of new, but the, the premises like, you know, and we've talked about, um, some of the postmodern stuff, but also the, the kind of old school, you know, Frankfurt school stuff that's been around for, for a really, really long time and has been pushed. So, um, they couldn't go from you couldn't take institutions from zero to sixty overnight. You had to you had to slowly like roll out ideology over over several generations. Where you know this generation goes a little bit farther than this generation, than this generation, and now we're to the point where these kids will believe that uh, and adults will believe that racism is anti-racism. So think of think of it if if somebody had just if the book White Fragility had come out um, nineteen seventy. You know, Fifty years ago, yeah, nineteen. Yeah. I was going to say fifty years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pe people would have reject, rightly rejected it as right. racism, and th but you have to get there slowly, and to you have to lay and push all these concepts in academia that become accepted over time as fact, even though they're just opinion, they're racist opinion. But you lay the groundwork with white privilege. You get people to slowly accept that. Then you can lay the groundwork with white fragility, toxic whiteness you know, and all these other racist concepts, but you have to start slowly. And, yep. and, that, and that's exactly what's happened. It's been, um, you know, the boiling frog analogy. Right. And just to, just to dive all the way to the bottom of the iceberg and throw a little <laughs> fundamental stuff in there. Uh, you got to get people to accept collectivism philosophically over individualism that had to happen. Um, and it happened a long time ago. And like, that was the diverge. That was the divergent point. That's the point at which, uh, all the humanities started diverging from anything that would support enlightenment values when they started talking collectivism. Um, and there's many versions of collectivism, many dead ends that were pushed that didn't go, but this one took, um, this, this unique mix of, um, racism and sexism and postmodernist justification, but neo-Marxist roots but not actually marxism like this unique mix that we're in happened to take but there was lots of variants lots of dead ends lots of attempts um that kind of grew from the collectivist uh 
branching point in our in our society. You want to do the Libertas 26 one, Carrie, or you want me to read I it? Can't, I can't see it, so you go okay. ahead. Uh, thank you, Libertas 26. Libertas 26 says, aren't you tired of these protests being described as peaceful by the media when the reality is the opposite? Uh, I'm actually not tired yeah. of it because I have, I have no expectation from the media. So I was tired of it for a while, and now I'm just like, yeah. I don't I'm know. Tired of it. I mean, I it's like, yeah. I don't know. It's um, I get, here's what I'm tired of. I'm tired of people not standing up, and and so when people start to whether it's business owners who say enough, like the ones who opened up during the lockdown and said enough, or if it's if it's people who are pushing back against the narrative, like I shared some videos this weekend of Bevel and Beatty. I love Bevel and Beatty. Yeah. You don't have to agree with her. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't have to agree with her message, but you don't have to agree with her method. But wow, she makes my heart swell. And I think she's doing good work. And it may not be my method, but gosh, am I happy she's out there doing it. She took paint. She wasn't the first one to deface the Black Lives Matter street a painting in front of the Trump Tower in Manhattan. There were some drag queens who did also. If you haven't seen that video, that's friggin' awesome. These drag queens out there with paint, throwing it over the Black Lives Matter um, on the on the street, paint on the street. She took paint. She defaced. She was down on hands and knees, smearing it with black paint and talking about how Black Lives Matter doesn't care about black people. They're looting and burning black businesses. They don't care about black people. She's directly confronting the narrative. She's like, they want to defund our police. I want to refund the police for our neighborhoods. Like. So she, she's, they hate her because she's, she's directly confronting the narrative. There were people yelling at her in the videos, like screaming at her, like, I don't understand you're black. Um, but she, I thought she you all believed the same thing. Cause yeah, I'm not a racist. <laughs> Wait, she oh. was arrested in Manhattan. And then, uh, once she was released, she and her crew, she had some people working with her. They went to two more of the black lives, because there's more than one in New York. There's one in Brooklyn. There's one in Queens. They went to Queens and Brooklyn and poured paint all over those, too. <laughs> and one night, she hit three of these Black Lives Matter things with paint. Good for her. Good for her. And and I just, I don't care in what way it is, if it's um, speaking to your friends and family, if it's, um, if you're a small business, if it's opening up, if it's saying... I'm not going to comply with these mask orders, whatever it is for you that you want to do, like to speak, do it. I just want to see more people pushing back. I, that's what I'm tired of. Is how much will we, we accept, you know, that I think I can get accept? on board with you for that. Like, I'm not tired of the media because I have no expectation of the media, but I am, I am tired of people not thinking and just spouting like repeating crap that they hear as if it's news like if it's a new as if oh, oh you're brilliant because you know that racism is power plus prejudice like that's not like that doesn't make you brilliant uh, like throw you a party <laughs> right um so i'm i'm actually tired of that and uh, i this is one of these like long-term like how does society's function philosophical things or whatever but uh we're just, we're too comfortable. I, I'm tired of people giving preference for their to their own comfort over the values that make their comfort possible. Like, we are successful as a country. Oh. Um, we are, like, our, our standard of living, 
the relative freedom that we enjoy uh, compared to other nations in the world, all of this is because of the values that America was founded upon. It's because of individualism. It's because of the idea of individual rights and that those rights should be protected and preserved and people aren't treated like uh, cogs in a collective machine. It's, it's individualism that's and, 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 and free trade among people and keeping the government out of your lives. That's what's enabled all of the wealth that's now being used to fund the destruction of this system. And so yeah. what's frustrating to me is that the laziness that you can enjoy, the fact that you have a nice life, that you got a house and you can, you have a television and internet and Netflix and you can go out to eat once in a while and you can afford you know, whatever clothes and cars and whatever, all that is made possible by the values that upon which the United States were founded. To the extent that those values were implemented, that's the extent to which we were prosperous. And for you to be afraid to stand up for those values, uh, I think is you're, you're a freeloader intellectually because you are making use of the values that make your life possible without defending them, without letting them getting attacked. And I know, I know I'm supposed to have sympathy for people who feel like they're in a tough spot and it's hard to do and they got to provide for the family and all that. I get all that, but be aware of what you're doing. You're an intellectual freeloader. You are, you are freeloading like off the ideas who... of the founding fathers and you're, but you're not willing, you, you'll take all the benefit of them, but you're not willing to stand up and actually fight for those ideas. It's like the people who during the shutdowns were scolding other people and saying, just shut up and sit at home and watch Netflix. How hard is that? And I wanted to say F you, F you. That's what your life is like. You can afford to sit at home and watch Netflix. There are millions of people out of force out of work who, you know, the, the first thing they did in March when this started happening was cancel things like Netflix. I don't have Netflix anymore. Right. You, what are you talking about? People have to provide for their kids. And what they showed when they said stuff like that was how comfortable their life is. Right. Right. And, 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 you know, people that are like, well, you know, we can't we can't afford our mortgage if we don't keep working for Google. Move, move. Don't work for Google. Get the hell out. Don't do that. Uh, like I you know, you are if you live in the United States and are listening to this show, you are in the one percent in the world. Almost certainly almost guaranteed. Um, someone just in chat. I just saw someone say poor people have iPhones. Let that sink in. Yeah. Let it sink in, right? We are more wealthy than kings two centuries ago, the poorest of us in America, uh, mostly. I'm sure. But let's some... not discount the people who one percent in the world, right? But not in the U.S. I and said in the world. I said show. in the world. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah. And I'm saying there are people who watch our show who are struggling here in the U.S. and who are sick of being told that they yes. can sit home and watch Netflix because it's like, no, they have they have kids. They're trying to provide for their families. Right. No one's telling you to sit at home and watch Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I'm saying stand up for the values that make your life possible. Right. And and uh, these BLM protesters or this, I'll just say that movement in general, the woke movement, it's a direct attack on the values that that make your life possible. It's a direct attack on the idea that you have self-ownership. Um, that's without self-ownership you're you're a cog in someone's you know usually some dictator's grand design or some party's grand design to be used as fodder for whatever they want um so have some respect for those values and support them all right let's do some super chats keith 
Keith the Hack Guy gives us 10 bucks and corrects me on the supremacy clause, which I appreciate. He says, the supremacy clause says that the Constitution is supreme, not the feds. That's a great distinction, Keith. Thank you. Um, nothing delegates federal power to protect non-federal property except invasion. Federal protection of city property is, un property is unconstitutional except D.C. That makes a lot of sense. My understanding, though, was that most of the federal agents in Portland were protecting federal property. Um, but I, I, maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. Someone can tell me. Um, but that's a great distinction. Thank you, Keith, for making that distinction. Um, let's see more Super Chats. Here we go. Do you see Ian Burns, Carrie? No, oh, she's got her things up. Ian, thank you, Ian. Ian says, Carter, do you think equality of opportunity and equality of outcome are mutually exclusive in all contexts? The poor will always be with us. Uh, okay, here's the, here's the little, <laughs> I guess, black pill level thing that I avoid saying when Maria, you asked me if I self-censor, here we go. Here's a non-censored answer. Uh, equality of opportunity doesn't exist. Uh, neither does equality of outcome. Equality doesn't exist. People are not equal. They will never be equal. Nothing in nature is equal. Your circumstances will never be equal to anyone else's. Your uh, genetics will never be equal to anyone else's, possibly with the exception of a perf an identical twin. Uh, your uh, resources available to you, where you lived, uh, things that happened to you, um, nothing's ever equal. Um, so, and even opportunity is impossible to make equal. Uh, I didn't have the same opportunity to be a basketball player as someone who grew to six feet eight. Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, life is unequal. Life is, that the nature is unequal. By our very nature, we are unequal. Now, when people say equality of opportunity, what they really mean is, um, what they, well, I'm not sure what everyone really means by that, because uh, I'm not sure everyone's thought through what equality of opportunity means. Um, what it means from an enlightenment perspective and what the, the equality that we strive for, uh, that, that we strive for when we think about implementing uh, individualism and enlightenment values is equality under the law. It's equality uh, where we are all treated equally under the law. You don't have a right to do something I don't, right? You, you, there's, no, there's no rules for me and rules for thee. That's the equality. When John Locke trashed the divine right of kings, when John Locke said, there's no divine right of kings, we all are equal morally, what he's meaning is, he, he's meaning this is it like under the law, we should be treated equally. That's the kind of equality that we need to strive for. Um, not, there is no other, the other equality doesn't exist. Um, so now, does equality of opportunity clash with equality of outcome? Uh, well, equality of outcome is a vile concept. I mean, <laughs> equality of outcome is horrible. Uh, people are unequal. The only way you get equality of outcome, you can't bring everyone up. You can't make me six foot eight and a good basketball player, but you can chop Kobe Bryant's legs off below the knees, right? Like you can't, <laughs> this is the Harrison Bergeron. We brought this up at the beginning of the, of the show. Equality of outcome is a vile, vile idea. And it's based on a lie about reality that there should sort be like, people are going to somehow be equivalent in some way. And that's not the world we live in. I don't want a quality of outcome. By the way, I'm extremely happy that there are people like, and I know a lot of people hate the guy. This is why I'm going to use him as an example. 
I love that there are people like Bill Gates who are smarter than me and more, like he's not equal to me. I don't want him to be dragged down to my level. The guy built billions of dollars worth of software, made all of our lives much easier. Um, PCs became ubiquitous. The, the amount of productivity that was increased is immeasurable because of that guy's contribution. It wasn't just him, I get it. But like inequality is fine. Do you wanna like, do you wanna watch a basketball game with a bunch of average people playing? Like there's nothing wrong with inequality. Get over your jealousy and your envy. Let people be better than you at things. That's fine. Let people be richer than you. Admire their success. Stop falling prey to envy um, and jealousy and resentment for people that do better at things. That's fine. That's fine. Bill Gates becoming richer made my life easier because everyone's productivity went up. An entire field of software engineering, I mean, not that it didn't exist before, but like became much more prevalent. Uh, I, I was an engineer when I was younger, and I, I certainly benefited from from his existence and, and what he's done. So, I yeah, a quality of outcome. I, I don't know that I would say it clashes with the quality of opportunity because I think, like I said, equality of opportunity is a is a farce. But uh, it is absolutely uh, it clashes with reality, and it's one of the most vile things you can do to humans is say you've got to be equal. And if you want a great fictional representation of this, go read the short story Harrison Bergeron from. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut, and I think he does a brilliant job of portraying this. Let's see if Carrie's back. Carrie's back. Carrie's back. Yes. Uh, along those lines about talents, um, it's funny. I My boyfriend played this show recently. It was for a very wealthy uh, guy in Texas who had – it was for a big private party he was having. And – he was really down to earth despite being very, very wealthy and was afterwards, you know, talking to him and the other, the violinist and talking to them. And he said, you know, he, he was humbled by their talent. And he was saying there were lots of talented people here today. I don't know if you know, but he was pointing out people who had been in, in the audience and what they were known for. There's a general there. There was other people, whatever. And he said he was like, I don't have any talent. I wish I had a talent. He's like, the only talent I have is making money. And, right. <laughs> and I, I, when he was telling me the story, I was laughing because we were like, well, that's a pretty good talent to have. <laughs> but the, the point is people are good at different things, right? you know, and you're good at something that somebody else is not like figure out where your talents are and right. lean into your talents and right. They don't have to be the same as everyone else. We don't. I don't want a world where we're all the same. Who would want that? But and they, such they a world is, in fact, impossible, which is why the end result of any culture that tries to implement equity, and even if they haven't used the word, but they try and implement that like equality of outcome idea, they always achieve it in a mass grave. That's You're all equal when you're a pile of bones. Then... I'm equal to, I'm finally equal to Kobe Bryant and Bill Gates when we're all dead. Then we're equal. <laughs> and like, that's what happens. That's the end of that philosophy. If you want to you wanna be equal, be dead. Uh, you're equal to every other dead person. Um, but that's the only way that you get equal. And somebody uh, says, I don't believe in talent. Well, I think that I don't understand that because in people are, everybody's naturally talented at something else. It doesn't mean they don't have to work hard because you, you have to have talent plus a good work ethic to even to take, to do something with that talent. Otherwise you waste it. Right. But, but you know, like I have a friend who is a really talented artist and 
she has also put a lot of hours, thousands of hours into, what's that saying? You have to put a thousand of hours into something a, before yeah, you become a, an expert was, at that it. A, that was a Malcolm Gladwell yeah. thing, a thousand hours, I think. Uh, or a thousand 10, hours, 10, you know, she's, I think it was 10,000 10, hours. She's, she's put 10,000 hours in and you can also be, maybe, maybe you don't have, maybe you're not that naturally talented and there's a balance there depending on how hard you work. I used to work with a comedian who would say that, um, they weren't the, they weren't the best. They weren't the, like a naturally talented comedian. They just put a lot of time in right? and that you, and then on the other flip side, I, I knew, I knew some, I could think off the top of my head, one in particular, very talented comedian who never put any work in and kind of glided by on being able to get up on stage and kill, but didn't put the work in to get beyond that base level. No, still nobody. It's not like a household name comedian because if you, if you can have the raw talent, but if you don't add hard work to it. Right, right. But by the way, Ninja Kitty points out, hard. even in death, Kobe Bryant still has a bigger coffin than me. So uh, don't get to be equal. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, I, the, I don't believe in talent. I don't know what, to, when people say things like that, I actually don't know what to say. It's like, uh, there was a little kid once who the, these two kids were, uh, this is in Southern California. These two kids were bragging like, oh, my dad visited blah, blah, blah. And, and the kid was like, my dad visited Malaysia. And the other kid was like, I don't believe in Malaysia. <laughs> you don't have to believe in it, I guess. Uh, you cannot believe in whatever you want, but talent is real. It does exist. Some people have better abilities uh, than other people intrinsically, genetically. Um, it just happens. And as Carrie said, uh, talent alone is basically worthless because I think Michael Jordan, for example, had talent and he worked his freaking ass off and you practiced have to work more than ass anyone off. to get to be yeah, where he was. Yeah, it's not just... Like Beverly says, she didn't like her piano being called a gift because she had to work so hard to get there. But yeah, it you, it was a probably a combination of the two. You had a gift and you worked your ass off to get where you were at. The two things. Yeah, I mean, the great yeah. people do that. And and like a lot of us will work our ass off at something we're kind of like we don't have any um, miraculous talent at anything. Like some, we're never going to be a Michael Jordan, but we're kind of OK at something and we work our ass off and. You know, so we turn out to be pretty good and pretty good is good yeah. enough for a comfortable life. And and we're all happy and, and that's fine. Um, all right. Why bother? Why bother says. Uh, thank you. Why bother? Uh, why bother says my decade long relationships have ended and now I'm trying to date again. It's crazy how many women have BLMs, BLM tags up. But at least I know for sure when to swipe left to avoid toxicity. <laughs> Yes, definitely swipe left on the BLM tags. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that, uh, but it's better for you. Uh, I have a friend who's dating here in the Austin area, and he said every profile is like that. It's all like blue-haired girls, and first thing on their profile says, if you voted for Trump, you know, don't contact me. Or if you are not for BLM, don't contact me. And he's like, it's really hard to find anyone who doesn't have that on their profile but you're right at least they're putting it out there i if i were you like i'm not i'm not single but if i were you i would uh i don't like wasting my time so if i were you i would put something up like right away on your profile it's like don't contact me if you're woke I'm like I don't, <laughs> yes don't contact me if you're woke i don't like you might if you might get one one hundredth of the replies as a result which i know for guys means very few replies uh but the few replies you get will be kind of interesting, probably. Uh, who the hell would reply to that except for someone that might be interesting? So um, I'm going to say this That's is probably a good idea. 
also this is says there needs to be an unwoke dating site like unwoke.hr but for dating <laughs> unwoke.dating yeah. right uh yeah i this is uh i don't know if this will get me in trouble but i don't care um i was thinking about this so there's this trope going around that white supremacist males are dating or married to asian females and i happen to be made, uh, married to an asian female so my wife and i were talking about this trope and um there's actually an interesting correlation if you're because i hadn't thought of this but if you're a guy in the u.s looking for a woman who doesn't hate men you will do better looking for women who didn't grow up in the united states uh like growing up in the u.s has destroyed women like a woman who's grown up in the u.s is much more likely to be a horrible man-hating B-I-T-C-H, like, who the hell wants to marry her? Uh, so actually, it might make sense that women who grew up outside of the U.S., uh, especially in places that were never woke, I mean, so like not France, but, you know, somewhere in Asia, uh, they might actually on average have more aligned values regardless of the cultural differences. Uh, the cultural difference that you don't have is one of you doesn't hate men. Right. Like that's a big difference. Uh, so uh, feminism, like everything else, has destroyed women's ability to get men. OK, thank you. Little Ragamuffin. Little Ragamuffin says, just a reminder, we all have choices. Thank you, Little Ragamuffin. That was probably in relation yeah. to something and it was probably brilliant, but it is definitely true. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, let's see. Let's I'll see the read next the next one. one. Um, you, got, um, you, you know the next one? Maria Tuscan, $5. Everyone is equally ugly and a mask. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> in, Harrison, in Harrison Bergeron, they make the beautiful people wear masks so that they so that we're all equal. And they make the ballerina, the ones who are really good ballerinas have to tie weights to their legs so yeah. they can't they can't be better than any of the average ballerinas. Like they they whatever your gift or talent is, whatever you're good at, they try and handicap you. If you're smart, they put in the in the story they put um, a sound like a little alarm in your head that goes off every few minutes so that you your thoughts are constantly being disrupted and you can't think about anything. Yep. Everyone's equally ugly in a mask. That's true. Do you want to do um, the next Alan one? Alan Mon uh, Monahan, five dollars. Thank you, sir. He says the logical conclusion of the song "Imagine" is gray and depressing. <laughs> Maybe. I always say they want us to all be equal in the rubble. That's what it's like. They want us to all be equal at the very bottom of everything. Right. Like nobody to be anywhere. Like just to be completely gray. All the art to be the same, devoid of inspiration, just completely um, boring and drab and uninspiring. And they don't want anyone to be celebrated. You know, There. Th this, speaking of um, people's talent and stuff, so I was reading this article, uh, I think it was in the New York Times, and it was arguing on behalf of um, going back to in classical music auditions. So there was a movement decades ago, decades ago, because th there was a problem in classical music where they said, hey, these black musicians and female musicians are being discriminated against. So they instituted to address this problem, they started doing blind auditions. So when you go to perform to hopefully get accepted, you are performing your cello or violin or whatever behind a screen. So they can't see what you look like. They don't know if you're a man or a woman or what your race is or anything. Uh -oh. So they say, 
So, so <laughs> since they did that, the um, it it definitely helped to end the problem they had because they they over time there became a higher percentage of black and Latino musicians in these classical orchestras and a higher percentage of women. Um, but they are now arguing, and the New York Times did an opinion piece arguing this on behalf of this. They said it's not good enough. The percentages aren't where we want them. It's not mm. equality of outcome. It's not equity. It's not the percentages we want. Therefore, the socially just thing to do, the anti-racist thing to do, the uh, anti-sexist thing to do, the feminist thing to do, is to get rid of blind auditions. And they actually say in the piece that your race and sex should factor in. Mm. Your race mm. and sex should factor in and whether you get the part or not. How I can't think of anything, by the way, to women and to, and to people of color. How insulting is that to women and people of color? I don't want to get oh, anything. Yeah. I don't want to be denied anything. And I don't want to get anything because of my sex. And one of the best comments I saw in, in response to that New York Times piece was someone that's like, you know, um, I can't play the violin, but I am black. And they're like, you're hired. <laughs> like, okay, You're in. <laughs> like, is that the world? That's the world they want to live in? Where your talent doesn't matter, you're just they just have mediocre musicians. It is very Harrison Bergeron. Yeah, and what's frustrating to me is of all the things where it's easiest to be uh, actually fair, like that's one of the easiest jobs to be fair at. Like, you listen, are they good or not? Like, it's music. Oh, you just have to listen to it. Like, it's it's like it's a lot harder to be like, well, we have to see your people skills and because you got to interact with the person and therefore all these unconscious bias and everything else. Like. It's one of the easiest, easiest jobs to be completely colorblind about with your hiring process. And I think this the screen is a great idea, right? You're completely colorblind. You just listen to the music. Um, but but it made me think of, I don't know if you remember this, but a couple years ago in Australia, uh-huh. Australia, there was a big push by social justice people, the feminist part of social justice ideology. They were pushing to say, hey, hiring processes are um, sexist and discriminatory against women. And they pushed to have blind applications when people are applying for jobs. And so they did that. They did resumes where the name of the person was taken off and you had no idea if it was a man or a woman mm. and you're just seeing the qualifications. And they found that when they did the blind resumes, the blind applications, there were fewer women who were now getting hired, of fewer. Course. And so then what happened? Well, then the social justice activists started pushing to get rid of the blind application. We have to get rid of those. Yeah, <laughs> We of must course. know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, Anyone who's been in a predominantly male industry and watched hiring practices like is not surprised by that because because it's just like engineering school. People are like, "Ooh, a woman. We should definitely we should look at her because we don't have many women like that's that's how male dominated fields are. <laughs> that's how it tends okay, to be. So the next one. Thank you. Uh, Chavez Chavez. Yep. 499 says to quote Krusty the Clown quote. It's not good. It's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Thank you. I want to do the next one. <laughs> Yeah, the next one is, oh, that was the last one. No, Ian Burns. Ian Burns says, does the Gini coefficient widening inevitability inevitably destabilize the society? So uh, that's a question that I've been asking myself a lot because uh, th- this is a, this is where things get really interesting if you start thinking about, okay, what do we do to have a society that stays free and stable? For those of you who don't know what Ian is referring to, the Gini coefficient is a measurement of wealth inequality, basically. So, um and the, the argument is um, because you end up with 
uh, higher performers that tend to do well in a completely free society, you get you you can start to get uh, wealth inequality. Now, everyone's standard of living goes up, so even the lowest people on that rung are better off than when if you didn't have that that inequality that was you know if you didn't have the circumstances whereby inequality happens but uh because humans tend to be extremely envious uh, and resentful uh and measure their stature uh or their status based not on what it would have been or what it was previously but on looking at their neighbor um you end up with uh you can end up with a lot of class resentment and then and then the question is does this is this is the society stable i think those are great questions um i'm not sure about the answer to that but i will say in a just from a like a high level perspective um we are actually in so in, in a free market you you would likely and in a free market with we'll say with like a decent culture like it, i guess you could have cultures that would undermine this but in a free market with some sort of individualist culture to it, um, some sort of enlightenment culture, you will likely end up with the people to whom more resources accrue are going to be obviously the people who are you know, better at providing value um, as measured by their peers, because everything is voluntary. Um, and those people would tend to have more children. Um, so the, the, the society would start to become um, more like those people over time because the people who have fewer resources could few, afford fewer children. Um, and and that would happen kind of over time. Um, now, would that help? I don't know. It might not actually help. Um, what we're in now, you can't actually get, so people like like to argue about like, oh, there's, you know, it sounds like I'm talking about eugenics, which I'm not. I'm not talking about manipulating the population intentionally. I'm talking about what naturally happens in a population. You actually can't get rid of evolutionary pressure. There's no, there is no non-evolutionary pressure situation. There's always evolutionary pressure. So where we are now is we have the opposite. We have uh, dysgenics at, uh, right now because resources are taken from the most successful and given to, or or the most violent, right? Because there's like politicians, there's a political class, right? So we're not in a free market completely. We're not even in a in a market that takes just from the the people who are actually most successful. But whatever, we 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 give resources to people. Who, who may or may not, we subsidize um, child uh, birth and having kids to people that maybe wouldn't be able to afford as many kids. And I'm not saying there's, I'm not making a moral judgment about right or wrong about this, but what that tends to happen is then you get more of those properties. You get more of the, the properties of people who are going to, um, you know, have whatever characteristics that is, whether they don't like working or whether they're talented at some things that aren't valued by society, but at, not at other things that are more valued by whatever it is, you end up with pressure. So there's always a population is always evolving um, based on those pressures slowly. And uh, it's not really clear to me. I don't think you should try to stop that. I don't think there's anything you can do about populations changing. Um, and I don't know that we know the answer to if we were in a free market, what would happen to the population? Like, would would the wealth inequality get so much that you would have a violent revolt? And I, I, I don't know, may, maybe you would. Uh, it doesn't make it immoral to strive for treating everyone with individual rights and as humans equally. Like, that's, you know, we're trying to, you know, it doesn't mean we shouldn't do what's right morally, but it is a question of like, well, what happens when that 
when that occurs. And, and I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to that. So, so the next one is Why Bother? Thank you, Why Bother? It's $5. He says, remember the movie Equilibrium. Maybe they get rid of art altogether. I haven't seen that movie. Uh, it is starring with... Christian Bale. And it's oh. where they – it's a future where um, feelings and artistic expression are outlawed. And citizens take daily injections of drugs to suppress their emotions. After accidentally missing a dose, the main character begins to experience emotion, which makes him question his morality and moderate his actions while attempting to remain undetected by the suspicious society in which he lives. That sounds really good, actually. I haven't seen that. I don't think I saw it. That doesn't ring a bell. Um, You want to do the next one? The next one is Chavez Chavez for $4.99. Thank you, sir. He says, hey, lay off John Lennon. LOL. He was programmed to be a rebel. I think if he were alive today, he'd be a Trump supporter and he would be sincere about it. Really? Uh, well, if, I don't know. if you're making the point that he was a rebel, then yes. Because think about it. What's what's status quo right now? What's the mainstream right now? If, if you are a rebel, I'm, let's, just, let's just say he's right. So just about reactionary. If just Lenin. Like- yeah, okay. if you're or if you if you happen to buck at authority or at, at being forced to look, I was saying this last night. I was looking for a movie to watch, and there are a lot of movies that even like if they weren't forcing them down my throat right now with uh you know check out this uh, Black Lives Matter programming or whatever, I would be more inclined to say I want oh I heard that movie was good or I want to watch that, but because it's being forced down my throat. Like, I don't want to watch that movie. <laughs> Does that make me a reactionary? <laughs> Maybe. You and I, I don't like yeah, being we both told have that streak. <laughs> what I have to do. And if he's if he's true, let's just say that he's true. I don't know if he is or not, but let's say he's true about his premise that that um, Lenin was a rebel and and bucked at authority. Then who's doing that today? It is the people right now who are who are speaking against the woke establishment. They may or may not be Trump supporters, but. But the woke establishment views itself as rebellious, regardless of the fact that they're not. So um, they think they're rebellious. And and all of John Lennon's premises were in line with collectivism. Uh, so I, I don't. I well, don't all know. of mine used all of mine used to be hey, right. But you had to I change. Am. So the argument would be that John Lennon would change somehow, and I, I, maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe. But uh, I don't care what John Lennon would think. <laughs> Somebody so. else in the chat says, "Read his read the uh, the Beatles uh, Revolution lyrics." He was anti Mal. Did he write Revolution? I don't know. Um, I like the song. And also, somebody points out, which is true, that Sean Ono Lennon. He says uh, Eric says Sean Ono Lennon is great and not afraid to call out wokers. I started to notice that. Yeah, that oh, Sean yeah. Lennon was calling out woke activism. That's true. It's interesting. That's, uh, huh. Well, maybe he would be. Maybe he would be. Thank um, you for the super chat. <laughs> yeah. Can, can I, um, there, there was a, I, I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to black people. I'm not, I'm black cool people. I'm not going to like go into a long thing, but I just want to mention something because uh, I've seen this a couple of times and, um, you don't have to agree with me. I just want to make the point here. Uh, there was a comment on on YouTube the other day, and this person probably agrees with us about a lot of stuff. And you know, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, so I'm not going to use their name. And I'm 
thankful that they're here. Uh, and they said, it's very interesting that the West is being destroyed, not by external enemies, but by its own nonsense ideas. So I, I, I do think it's very interesting that the West is being destroyed from the inside. I agree with that. I would argue that these are, and, and the ideas that they gave were postmodernism, globalism, and unregulated capitalism. And I want to go through those because, first of all, um, postmodernism is not a West Western idea. It d did develop in the West, but it's not when you, it depends on how you use the word West. Like the, the Western culture is a product of the enlightenment and postmodernism is not in line with enlightenment philosophy. It is, it is actually not even related to reality by its own admission. So, uh, Yes, postmodernism sprang up in Western countries, but it's—I wouldn't call it—it's a—it's a, own nonsense idea. I wouldn't—I wouldn't say that's Western culture's own nonsense idea. Um, globalism, uh, again, I, I maybe actually universalism was kind of an Enlightenment value, and maybe that leads to globalism. Okay, fine. Unregulated capitalism. I—I I just want to make a quick point about this because I. Uh, I've never seen unregulated capitalism. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and this is a very important point that I think people miss. The most, so money is like the blood in a body. Money is the way that nutrients flow. It, money is how organs exchange <laughs> like nutrients and point toxins. Like money is the lifeblood of a system. If you have a system in which money is controlled by a federal reserve, with elitist bankers in sort of an oligarchical relationship with pseudo-government agencies, and there's fiat currency, you cannot possibly be capitalist. This is not capitalism. This, money is the most important feature of an economy. It is the life blood, it's, it's the blood. It's like being a doctor and saying like, well, there's all these symptoms and not noticing like there's leukemia. There's like, the person has, cancer in their blood and you're looking at like well there's a problem here and there's a problem there and gee i don't know what's wrong and like but i'm not i refuse to look at the blood well you're not going to get the source of the problem it's they are pretending that what we have is any sort of unregulated cap first of all there's lots of regulations but put those aside capitalism can't exist with a federal reserve and fiat currency we are not that is a it's a it's at best a mixed economy it's it's a it's a tax farm that's engineered to reproduce as much of the wealth of capitalism as possible such that it accrues to the the leaders it is like if you were on occupy wall street and you were upset at chase bank and all the bailouts and all that stuff you were not upset at capitalism regardless of what you think you were upset at you were upset at the federal reserve and the oligarchy and the 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 monetary control that leaders have over your lives. That's what, that's what this is. We are not in capitalism. So don't throw cap, like don't throw unregulated capitalism under the bus. You've never experienced it and neither have your parents, no matter how old you are. Okay. But by the way, Federal I've, Reserve was I've, 1913. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, Did your eyes glaze over too much or do we survive? That I one? just, no, I left. You left. I'm back. <laughs> Gary's back. Edward. Thank you, Edward Duhame. Edward Duhame gave us $10. He says, as someone who was canceled as a front desk volunteer in my local Democratic Party, thanks for speaking up about the SJW nonsense. Well, thank you, Edward. And thanks for coming to our channel. Hey, I'm, gosh, I know so many people who are 
who have walked away and who are continuing to walk away. I know others who are still holding out in the Democratic Party trying to fight this ideology off and God bless them. Uh, but I def, I, you know, I was, I was finally like, I think it's just, it's, it's metastasized. It's, it's spread too far. It's taken over the whole party. And I think the party has to fail before it, it regroups because losing the election wasn't enough. You would have thought that losing the election would have caused some introspection, but it didn't. And instead it, it caused the party to double down on social justice ideology. Yeah. So, I, I see no reason to stay. And, you know, now I try to vote based on the candidates. I just look at them individually. I don't care what party they're in. Um, I voted for my first Republican in 2018. I voted for Ted Cruz because, as people know on the show who've watched before, I looked at him next to Beto and I said, well, he's the liberal. Beto's an authoritarian. So I've got to vote for the liberal. He's more liberal than Beto anyway. Yeah. So yeah. that's and, the way I'm and- voting now. If we've said this before, but I know there's a lot of new people. If 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 the institution or person is not explicitly anti-social justice, they will fall to social justice ideology, right? Um, the only people that are surviving uh, and not being uh, converged upon are people who recognize that it's out there and are explicitly rejecting it. Um, so. If I was going to be a big voter and wanted a litmus test, my litmus test would be like, does this person reject reject social justice ideology explicitly? Do they get it? Um, do they do it outright? Yeah. Right. Thank Nanya you, Biz? Nanya Biz. Nanya Biz gave us 20 bucks. Thank you, sir. It says, any system that is too few people with control over the lives of too many people is what causes things to break down. There becomes too many wants that will be underserved. You get there through collectivism and capitalism, et cetera. Thank you, Nanya Biz. Yeah, I don't, uh, I think I kind of agree with you uh, in that, because there's that psychological dynamic of of inequality. I do think you need to be careful with the word control. Like Bill Gates doesn't have any control over me and never did, right? He couldn't throw me in jail. He, best he could do is offer me something that I refuse, right? Um, so there, you gotta be careful about the word control. There's a difference between control via force and control via enticement. Um, but, uh, this I suspect that the answer is uh, why this is why culture matters more than politics and philosophy matters more than culture because uh, ultimately you need a culture that respects individualism and um, that respects the rights of other people and you need you need the right philosophical foundations uh, for a culture and if you don't have them uh, I it's likely that whatever you do will not survive. Um, so, and I'm not a, I mean, I'm ultimately a voluntarist, right? Which is no government. So, you know, and that's partly because I think government is less important than, than culture. Like I just said. Okay. I think that's it for the super chats, right? Did we go through them all? Yeah, I think we did. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Yes. Um, any last, any last comments, Carrie, any last thoughts? No, we're going to do tomorrow. Uh, we haven't decided if it's live yet or not. We will be announcing we're doing an interview tomorrow with Constantine Kissin from Trigonometry. I'm very excited. And yep. on Thursday, I'm going to be appearing on Dr. K's show. Mm. And, oh, we didn't plug this. So Yeah, that's what have, I was hoping you would go to. Thank I you. I think we're more than halfway there. We're going we to um, – Carter and I want to go to the Better Discourse Conference next month. We set up an event-specific fundraiser, which we've never tried before. We're trying it out on subscribestar.com 
look for unsafe space, or you can just go to unsafespace.com um, and you can find links to it there. Um, when it when it takes you to the subscribe star page, it's on the right hand side. You can see our goal. The goal was um, for both of us to be able to go to get tickets to the conference and uh, hotel and all that stuff. And then um, hopefully, uh, what we haven't talked about it yet, but we want it. There's a lot of great speakers there. Mike Harlow is going to be there. There's some people we've interviewed before. Uh, uh, Sean Fitzgerald, who is. Um, uh, actual justice warrior is going to be there. Zuby's going to be there. And then there's a bunch of people we haven't talked to yet that we want to talk to. So hopefully going to shoot some stuff while we're there. Thank you so much. If you've contributed to that event specific goal. Thank you. I yeah. Think and you guys have been, make it. It, it's, uh, like I said, it's like halfway there already, which is great. So, um, yeah, that is really appreciate it. So I guess that's it, Carrie. Uh, cool. I will talk to you tomorrow. And, uh, okay, sounds good. Everyone else, have a great week. Thank you, guys. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. I have calculated a 98.2% chance that these are all rushing bots. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Robin D'Angelo is definitely not a con artist. That last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.